You're listening to the Money Self-Made Podcast, a place where I teach you how to grow yourself and your wealth. And we have Money Mike here talking with Dinero Guero and Ruby Rich. And what we're going to talk about today is actionable tips, secrets, and strategies that will expand your mind and your money. We're going to start with Dinero Guero's amazing tips. I'm going to tell you a little bit about class action rebates. Many people think about class action rebates as the money that you get from Experian, you know, maybe $5 in exchange for losing all of your data. And that, that is probably the most famous class action rebate. But what a lot of people don't know is that there are dozens at any time that you can find and submit um, forms on the internet. And a lot of them are for things that you probably did buy, like you know, maybe um, Cascadian Farms said that something was organic when it really wasn't, and they're giving $5 to anyone who ever bought a, a thing of Cascadian Farm, like, let's just say yogurt. And, you know, $5 is nothing to turn up your nose at, but sometimes they can be $100, $200. Um, and so I would definitely recommend, um, even if you don't save receipts, most of them don't require verification. And you can just have a steady stream of class action rebate checks showing up in your mailbox every month. That's actually really interesting. I had no idea. I think I'm going to do that. But is there like a website you can go to or how do you know where to find that? Yeah, there's a lot of websites that index class action rebates. Um, you can just do a, a search for class action rebates. There's there's a bunch of them um, and they'll tell you, um, you know, basically when... Uh, the due date is to fill out the form, whether any sort of verification is required, um, and just link you to the site. And, you know, it's uh, it's actually quite easy, you know, a few minutes of your time and you can have, have some nice checks coming in. I really like that one. One of the most interesting ways that I found is to host an event. But even in COVID, that's like a little strange, but it still works great. You just can hop on Facebook Live or hop on Eventbrite or anywhere and charge anything from like 10 to $100 in tickets and recruit either people that you know uh, personally or people who might be heroes of yours because people like publicity, especially, you know, if they're successful, they like to be recognized. So if you can land sort of a whale, as you call it, like a successful person to talk a little bit about their background, if you can just get one person uh, to speak at that online event, then usually you can get a couple of other people attracted to it because they'll want to be, you know, categorized and recognized along with that person. It'll give you that prestige. So that's something I've done a couple of times in my life. I haven't done it live yet, but I worked at an events company tech company that I saw a lot of people do that um you could also even host like an online yoga class or an online um talk and I think or like a Facebook live is a really good way of doing it so I've actually made like good money doing that before organizing a bunch of people and getting a panel together charging ticket prices uh it sounds complicated but it's really not that's awesome. I uh, I don't know who I know that would be uh, people would be willing to pay for, but I will say you probably know a lot more important people than I do, and um, I'm always surprised what people will pay money for. So I'm sure you can make a lot of money that way. I really think people would pay money to hear both of your expertise on financial things, and that's why we're all talking here today because you guys are very smart. Like I just learned how to make money, so it's like the ticket price of admission right there. Exactly. It was worth the price of admission to the house <laughs> in a very COVID safe way. <laughs> um, 
No, but I think, um, you know, all of these things are pe people generally overlook. They think that the only way to make money is from a job. And I mean, you, you can even make money from stocks that you own. I mean, I, I'm sure with Robinhood, people are, are getting more involved in puts and calls and very risky options and some great stonk memes. Um, but if you own just shares of a company, you can actually make some money depending on your brokerage selling covered calls of securities that you own and people will pay a premium for that. And even if um, those calls expire in the money, you still make more money than you would have otherwise because you don't have to sell them. So what a covered call is, is you have a premium, you have a particular amount of money that someone will pay to purchase an option at a specific price. And that specific price, say you have XYZ and you want to, and it currently it trades at $50 per share. And what you can do is sell an options contract, which gives someone else the option to purchase those shares that you own, say at $60 per share. And what'll happen is you maybe will get $1 per option contract. And there are a hundred option contracts or a uh, hundred, uh, units per option contract so you essentially have 100 units of stock that you will be selling an option premium on so what you can do is you sell these option contracts people pay them and hope that the price is going to exceed that you make that option premium when you sell it regardless of if it's over or under or whatever so your hope is to supplement your monthly or weekly income by selling contracts on things you own so you can, there are other ways you can own the actual stock and the underlying stock that uh, Dinero Guero actually would like to do, but there's a poor man's covered call that you can actually do where you can purchase a in the money, longer dated call. And at the same time you sell a call on a sooner dated contract. So it allows you to collect the premium, hope it expires and uh, have an option to buy the option or the set of stocks at a particular price. I love that. I think that's really interesting. I also really want to hear about the story when you did this, because didn't you make like, how much did you make in one day? And I was very upset that you didn't tell me about calls and puts, but then I wasn't so upset after I saw the uh, the other way that it can go. Yeah. You, you should talk about that. Oh, yeah. Well, that wasn't, uh, I wasn't selling covered calls or anything like that. You that were. was just selling or buying call options on AMD and SPY okay. just shortly before COVID actually started tanking the market where we decided to start locking down. And uh, yeah, AMD was doing a big run up and I had purchased about 10 uh, options for a particular price and it shot up like $7,000 in a single day. And the SPY had shot up as well, and that contract went up about $3,000 a day. Um, but then I sold those, but then ended up buying some other ones, and those all tanked right after we hit quarantine, and everything tanked violently. <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of it was it was like uh, probably 12000 lost in a day. So it was it like pretty much was a wash yeah, <laughs> right well, afterwards. It was gambling. It was. Yes, options are, are a way to lose all your money. Um, and I think it was uh, Charlie Munger, who's uh, part of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, who said that the main way that smart people go broke is love, liquor, and leverage. And really is true because 
you see a lot of people out there using leverage on some of the riskier trading platforms to buy these options. That's definitely not the way um, to make money. Um, it's always better to be um, the person with the asset that other people are giving you money um, in exchange for using. And um, you can just, if you if you have a stock portfolio, you can generally reach out to the customer service of uh, whatever platform you use, um, and they can tell you how to go about selling covered calls. Genius. I love that. So I'm going to venture outside the stock market and contribute one of my favorite ways to make money, which is like blowing up YouTube right now in the most annoying way, but um, affiliate marketing. But this can be great for just the average person is like if you want to recommend uh, personal capital or sign up for an affiliate account on Amazon, uh, you can recommend just stuff to your friends and put your affiliate tag on it. Everything you've ever recommended to a friend on Amazon is affiliate, but it, I only recommend things I believe in. And it's always good to like, let them know that disclaimer. Um, but if you want to take that a step further, like pretty much every software on the planet has some sort of affiliate program or even your favorite brands, you can get free products and stuff like that. So that's one of mine. And I'm going to hand it back to Junior Aguero because he's got some really good ones. Yeah, so I mean, I think you want to be making that extra money based on whatever you're passionate about, right? So like, whatever you have some specialized knowledge in. So let's say, you know, like me, you really like old school video games. When I walk into a thrift store or a yard sale, you know, I scan when they've got some video games there. And I'll know right away if there's something that's old and valuable, like... You know, for instance, the other day I just picked up a SNES cart of Final Fantasy 3, which I know sells for maybe like 60 to $80 online. And a lot of times, you know, people think they're very old. They can't be that valuable. So they're selling them for maybe like 5 to $10. And you see them at thrift stores all the time as well. So, you know, you, you may not um, know old school video games, and that's fine. But think about what you do know, what you do like to collect. And there's probably a great market for it online and a lot of people who have that that don't know what they have. And you can just make the difference between what they're selling it for and what you can sell it for online. That is super interesting. I'm curious, like, where do you sell it? Do you go on eBay or what? what is your tactic? So eBay would be kind of a last resort. Um, there's a lot that you can do on Nextdoor and Craigslist. Like, it's always better to sell locally if you can. Um, always make sure to do the exchange in a safe place. Um, but that that works really well. There's Facebook Marketplace. Um, if that doesn't work, though, eBay um, works quite well. And also, I've had some good luck as an Amazon Marketplace uh, third-party merchant. Um, a lot of times, you know, be surprised. Um, even things like business books, you know, you may think, hey, I went to that company conference, they gave me some useless book, what am I going to do with it? Well, a lot of times those are required for college courses. Um, and so people will pay, you know, I've even seen one sell for upwards of $100 on Amazon, because people would rather pay that than whatever the textbook store is charging. Nice. I love that. Sometimes I forget, you know, Amazon selling is so big. I'm like, oh yeah, you can do the third party thing again. We've got a ton of stuff in our garage that we need to get rid of. So that's going to be my next tactic. What about you, Money Mike? Do you have any great ways of making money on the side outside of your job? No, I have a lot of ways of wasting money outside <laughs> of my job. So some of the things that uh, I like wasting money on are computer parts <laughs> and uh, options. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> And no, I'm the bad example. No, but my, my money saving tips are you go to the grocery store and people always buy like the really expensive meats and organic 
um, I decide I like buying the bottom shelf, um, like sandwich meats in those Ziploc bags that are like four dollars for a pound. So I save money by just eating sandwiches and uh, cold cuts all the time. So that's probably my go-to way. But I should mention that he's f***ing with me because I really like the fancy organic meat and we argue over this all the time because I think that living a long and healthy life is uh, more financially productive than uh, short-circuiting your health because your health is your greatest asset after all. But I'm on board. It's a good one, Money Mike. No, that's true. I mean, I think the key with grocery stores is you're going to save money every time when you go to the grocery store instead of eating out. So it's all about what's going to get you to actually do it. And for me... I realized that like herbs and spices, when you add that to your cooking, really makes it uh, restaurant quality and it makes it something that you're going to want to eat. But those tend to be the most expensive items in the grocery store, right? Like a sprig of basil might be five bucks. And so that's why I think gardening is such a profitable hobby. Um, What you can do is research the vegetables and herbs that have the highest ROI and grow those like tomatoes massive ROI, green beans, chives, basil, like all of those grow very easily. And if you have any space, just an empty windowsill, you can buy some seeds for a couple bucks and get 20, 30, $40 worth of produce from it. And then you might say, well, what do I do with all of it? You can get a cheap 20, $30 food dehydrator and basically make your own dried herbs that you can then use in your cooking and save a lot of money that way. Most of the herbs that you buy dried in the store They've been sitting out maybe two, three years because they're produced in bulk and they go through a massive supply chain. And you don't know where they came from. A lot of them come from, you know, places where health standards aren't really up to snuff. So you will notice when you do this that the flavors are a lot better, a lot more pronounced, and you'll like your cooking a lot more. That is actually gold. Like, I've never thought about that, but I love, love, love that idea. And I've been thinking about that, too, because we recently moved out into the country and have a tomato plant that's producing. We didn't grow it. We just found it. And someone always says money doesn't grow on trees, but it actually does grow on trees. As somebody who's also recently started a food-related produce business, I can say for sure that money definitely grows on trees. One of the really weird, scrappy millennial ways that I do to save money, this one's weird. I save everything and never take a tag off, and I like get off on returning things. It's so wonderful. I can go buy $50 worth of stuff at Target and figure out like what works with my life, what works with my house, save the receipt, and that way if I have like junk, I just go back, return it, and I can, you know, even if I don't have like the original receipt, I can trade in that item for some useful stuff like groceries and stuff. So I know that's like hardcore, um, great generation depression behavior, but it works for me. I love returning stuff. It gives me a sense of sanity in a world of chaos. That is a great call. I mean, really like there's a couple ways that you can, you can achieve what you want with money. I'd say one is by making more, which we've talked about, but another is just by finding a way to spend less. And that gets me to um, another good money saving tip, which is really try to banish advertising from your life. Um, And I say this as someone who works in big tech in advertising, and I I work uh, with advertisers proving that their ads work. And we do um, extremely statistically valid um, tests where we will blast certain regions of the country with ads and others we won't and we we see a really big increase like 40 50 60 percent more people 
buying whatever it is. And so a lot of people think that they're immune to advertising, but they're, they're not. It, it, it works. So, you know, if you can install that ad blocker, if you can just like pay for Netflix so that you don't see so many ads, I think you'll find that you'll save a lot of money because you won't be opening yourself up to these marketers. I love that advice. I think it's completely true. It's funny because we both work in marketing and have both seen the same results. And I'm the first person to think I'm immune to something. Um, but most recently I've discovered, you know, how many ways I've been so deeply impacted by marketing that I don't even realize. And if you banish marketing, you also banish that like weird nagging sense that you're not good enough, which is what advertisements love to, uh, to hit home. So, but I think like the question we all should ask ourselves when it comes to making money or saving money is like, what is the ROI on our time? Because I know that sometimes I go down these rabbit holes of returning stuff and I'm like, wait a second, you know, did that 60 minutes of obsessively returning this like one thing to the dollar store, did that make sense? Like, what is my hourly? And I think that's something we should think about. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, when is it too much to save that dollar? Yeah, that's such an important question because, you know, I, I think with the explosion of interest in financial independence, you see a lot of people where, you know, you, you feel a little bad because it does show some signs of just like severe anxiety when it comes to money. And for lots of us who, you know, grew up without a lot of money, um, you know, it's it's that fear is very real. And so we think that we're protecting ourselves by pinching every last penny or you know, punishing ourselves for, you know, going out to eat one night. Um, and so when it comes to thinking about your time, I think it really comes down to like, are you enjoying yourself? Like, do you get a rush? Like I get a really big rush when I save money with like, you know, a coupon on top of, you know, a sale or something like that. Like it feels good. It makes me feel good about myself. And so that's totally fine. But if you find that it's coming from fear, um, that's probably when you want to stop and think about it, um, because nothing is worth your sanity if um, you're not enjoying yourself while you're financially independent. What's the point? I mean, um, you still have your entire life. And I'd say, like, the main thing is you never want to wish your life away. I, I, I see a lot of that in the financial independence community as well, is people just thinking like, oh, well, I'll suffer for four or five years and then things will be great, you know. Sad thing is you could you could die any time and then what's your money really worth? So that's that, that, that I, I try to think about that a lot. Um, not always great at it, but it is what I think um, I think through, you know, when I'm trying to plan out my day and my week. Yeah, I think about that as well. And ultimately what I've discovered is the payoff with money is often like generosity. And I found that being generous with other people is probably what makes me the happiest in the day to day. And I've noticed that if I'm generous with people, they're generous towards me and it creates this like wealthy, like upward spiral. So that's when I find like the line of penny pinching is, is when it's like with my family or my loved ones or something like that. It, that's when it's like no longer worth it to me. Well, this has been a wonderful episode. I think we are at time. Thank you, Dinero Guero and Money Mike. I loved hearing about all your very sexy and exciting money saving and money making tips. And until next time. <laughs>